Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have Bay Area icon and multi-platinum rapper, Too Short. Coming up, I talked to Too Short about growing up in Cali, working with the Notorious Big, and his new single, Big Sexy Thing. Up next, Too Short. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating, introduce a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member to the program. Allow them to share some of this good old-fashioned so food what's been your favorite theme who's been your favorite guest who would you like to see on the show tell a friend to tell a friend renaissance man new episodes every thursday also writing a column every thursday new york post and this week's theme is a positive intellectual motivated person that's where we're aiming to be for the rest of the year. And here's how. While social media connects us all, and that could be a great thing, there seems to be a lot of focus on negative energy. I say this all of the time. The negative energy is the headline. The actual information becomes the story. Who's slapping who? What people aren't doing? Men versus women. Who should be doing what? A positive intellectual motivated person just doesn't have time for that. Their focus is on themselves. They point the finger inward and think, how can I be better? A better friend, a better parent. They see the glass as being half full and are appreciative of even having a glass in the first place. They understand that people actually make mistakes and they lend grace as well as assistance to those around them who could use their guidance. They don't complain unless it's followed by action. And most importantly, a positive intellectual motivated person sets an example for those around them by listening and doing rather than just talking. I challenge you to consider all the ways you can be a positive, intellectual, motivated person. Starting right now, my next guest, Todd Shaw, a.k.a. Too Short, knows all about that. He is a true, positive, intellectual, motivated person, a PIMP since the beginning. He revolutionized the way rap will begin to tell stories of street life, and influence the work of legends like N.W.A. and Ice-T. Coming up, I talked to Too Short about his new single, his Bay Area connection to the actress Zendaya, and being a hip-hop pioneer. Up next, Oakland's own Too Short. 
Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is one of the most original voices in hip-hop, Todd Shaw. Has an impressive 35 year career, six platinum albums, four gold certifications with smash songs like Blow the Whistle, Shake That Monkey, The Ghetto, and You Should Be Getting It, Getting Wide and Getting This Good, and more. It is my honor to welcome my OG, the iconic, too short to the show. What up, though? Oh, what's up, man? You know, still doing what I do. Absolutely. And everybody know you a Bay Area legend, representing Oakland to the fullest, but you also grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. What were you like as a kid, and when did you first discover hip-hop? Well, you know, um, right before I moved from L.A., I, uh, I had heard Rapper's Delight. Mm. That was the year... The same year Rapper's Delight came out was the same year um, Funkadelic dropped a uh, knee deep. Mm, oh. so you could spend a lot of time just listening to those two songs because both of them was like 15 minutes long. <laughs> exactly. So right when I moved to Oakland, that's when Sugar Hill Records started just dropping a lot of stuff. It was the Grandmaster Flash, Sugar Hill Gang, you know, other records after Rapper's Delight and all the different artists that were coming out on uh, Sugar Hill Records. There was a lot of artists. And Curtis Blow came out. Mm. And it's, it's like 1980. I just moved to Oakland. You know, I'm hearing all this hip hop and I'm thinking to myself, man, I could do this. Mm. And I literally just, I just found an instrumental and on a, got a record player and just like was standing next to the speaker rapping. I was like, I know I could do it. And I just, one day I just recorded it. Mm. And that was that was the start of Too Short. And, you know, um, I played around with it, you know, 1980. That was like summer of 80. Mm. I played around with it. You know, I was going into 10th grade. I played around with it next the next year, like 81. Mm. Played around a little bit. And then I met a dude named Freddie B. Mm-hmm. The homeboy Freddie B. Yeah, so me and Freddie B, we were supposed to battle to see who was the best rapper. And you know how that goes. A lot of guys say they started off battling and end up being friends. So we started making songs together. And we became Freddie B and Too Short, man. We were famous all over the fucking Bay, all over. And that's crazy because your first album, Don't Stop Rapping, that, that yeah. was in 84. Like, for those that don't know, this is before NWA, my brother E-40, and Ice-T. And also, you coined the phrase, biatch. And also, <laughs> yeah. I have to ask you about this math because you had... 16 holes, sucking 10 <laughs> toes. I always want to ask you about this math. Well, I'm telling you, man, that's um that that one line right there is the birth of the modern day short dog, the legend of too short. That before I said that, I was rapping and I was in my zone of like how, how cool a rapper should be and all this stuff. But when I said that, the reaction that I got from that line, and it was literally a song called Freaky Tales, but it wasn't the Freaky Tales that everybody knows. And I was just, 
I was just messing around with the title. It was something that's always been with me. And in the song, I said, I had 16 hoes sucking 10 toes. And people would just laugh or just go like, what the, what you say? Like it would, and I was like, oh my God, I need to make a rap, a whole song about this one line. And that became the tales that I tell so well. That's where it all started. So, you know, early on, I realized that um, punchlines, like just like saying something real slick would get you a reaction. If you say something funny, it would get you a reaction. And if you said something that was just like, you know, like, and I bust a nut in her eye, people were like, oh, shit. Like, all those reactions are like reoccurring themes in two short songs that I think a lot of rappers have their um, strong points with vocabulary, delivery, you know, different things, the stage persona. I really like overlapped all that stuff with just mm-hmm. big ass bass, hella bass, and just these lines that would just either you want to sing along with him, you just you just go, ooh, he just did he just say that? Like, you know, it's different than when, when you go like, oh my god, you see, I hear that line now. It's just it's a different ooh, right? It's, it's, it's the same hip hop ooh though. It's the same thing. No question, and that's why I brought it up because as one of the original. Too sure fans like that punchline was legendary, and then also you rhyming about selling records out the trunk. See, mm-hmm. y'all gotta pick up the game that OG Too Short putting down. Rap basically started in the seventies. Sugar Hill put it down in seventy nine, and it was the message. He already telling you that he was in the game. You see what I mean, and so. Talk about like how it was for you when your trademark word became biatch. Mm-hmm. So I'm in high school. My rap partner, Freddie B, we're in high school. We want to free my high East Oakland. And we now have a fan base all over the city of Oakland to where when you see us coming, you're like, hey, man, y'all got some new tapes, you know. You know how people sell their tapes outside the grocery store or something? No, we didn't do that. We had a we had a list of people that already were waiting for us to come the next day with new tapes. Like, you know, when you get a new one, come by here. You know, like we, we would go from neighborhood to neighborhood. And um, I think that um, I used to um, do like house parties. They would call us to do all the thug hood house parties. If there was a dance at the high school or maybe even somebody else's high school, we pop up, tell the DJ, give us the mic. Like we were really famous in the Bay. We did it, we put it down in Oakland. It got, you know, cassettes used to get copied back then. It got spread all over the Bay through duplicating cassettes. And then you had people coming from LA. Early on it was Ice T. Even before that it was um, the world-class wrecking crew. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was um, Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, Dre was there early days. You had um, what was Rudy Pardee and them? I can't think of the name of that group they had. Man, it was it was uh, Bobby Jimmy. That was um, Bobby Jimmy and the Critters. That was Russ Parr, the radio DJ when he was a youngster. Uh, you know, it was That's Uncle Jam's dope. Army. And it was a lot of like crews coming out of LA that were actually like putting out records 
But these records were more like, uh, they sounded like Planet Rock. It was kind of up-tempo, and they was making dance records. It was cool. Um, but then you got New York that was setting the tempo. New York was, was setting the stage, building the foundation of what hip-hop is to this very day. Just, you know, everything about New York before rap went commercial, you know, the battle, the, you know, the king of rap, all that shit was already happening in New York. You know, the one dude, he he got the best records with the other dude, he got the streets, you know, all that shit was brewing. Who had the, the bars and then you got, you know, Kumo D and, and all these, you know, dudes that's out there earning names. No, no, L -L -L DMC, Eric B and Rakim. The point I'm making is they all got outlets. The people in LA, they had an outlet. They had Sunset Boulevard to go down there and, and you know, labels were there. New York, you know, they doing their thing. They had all these rap labels and major labels just messing around with it and stuff, but the Bay, we didn't have any outlets. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you got somebody like me and I'm looking like, Man, do I got to catch a Greyhound in New York to get to get a deal? Do I right. got to go down to L.A. and, and pull up at Motown Records on Sunset? Right. But what I got to do? Right. And then our, our answer to that question was, man, do it yourself. Mm. That's how the do it yourself started. Like it was it was the, the the lack of options made you do it yourself. So then uh, when we did it, we got all that hometown pride, all that Bay Area support. So you sitting there putting out a record. That's gonna sell 10, 20,000 copies, but you're going home with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm. So now we looking like, man, I ain't jumping on no Greyhound to go no, to no label and try to get a deal. I am the deal. And it, the money just kept coming in, man. So that's how we started. And, 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 and I always appreciated debate, and you once said it in a song Detroit is just like Oakland. Like, yeah. we're cousins. The Bay and the D. And so I always appreciate the hustle, got a chance to see the grind. But sometimes people underestimate some of the things that the Bay have brought to the game. Mm -hmm. So as an OG of the Bay that have seen so many artists, so many dances, so many sayings, can you just acknowledge for the world some of the game that they've been able to pick up that they may or may not realize they got from the Bay when they started rapping and listening to hip hop? So the first thing I was just saying was the independent hustle. Like we, I could give credit to Houston, Texas and rap a lot records. You know what I'm saying? I could speak on Luke Skywalker and uh, what Luke was doing, Luke Records in Miami, you know, selling their own records and stuff. But the Bay Area, we kind of, um, you got too short, you got E-40. Me and E-40 did not come up in the game together. Mm. We came up totally separate, and mm. it was almost the same ingredients from mm. two different camps. Like, it wasn't even a competition. It was just, he was the, he was facing the same circumstances as me. No options, but I want to do this. So he went to his uncle, learned the game. I went to my people, you know, 75 Girls Records, learned the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, trying to figure where I was going with this. What was the question? Where was, where was we at? I'm bringing it to so you. Basically, so basically, I was talking to you about like the things that people now get in the game. The hustle. So for one, we had the independent hustle that me and 40 started separately 
not too far apart in years. And here you have on one end, 40 got a big family. He got all of Vallejo. They all getting the formula from different places on how to do this independent records. You see, you see 40 put a record out. You see a two short record. I was like, I gotta figure out how to do this shit. I was personally, mm-hmm. if anybody came to me and they had that money, you ain't had to pay me. You got the money to do, I'm gonna give you the formula. You gotta go here, then go there, then go there, then do it like that, then go back and pick up your check. I was giving everybody the formula. Oh, so dude. in the and when when you look at the big picture, we literally built the independent foundation. So I, I'm not saying that's that is better or nothing in Houston or Miami. I'm just saying a lot of people in our area turned to us and we told them how to do it. So it spread like wildfire, the whole do-it-yourself spirit. Mm-hmm. So then you got the culture. In the Bay, you got this culture of, let me come out the house tomorrow and make up a new word, or let me just, let me, let me, let me pimp walk different than anybody else ever walked. Let me do something stupid with my hair, or just, I'm just going to make a word up today and wear that word out, or wear my clothes some weird way. Do something that nobody did, and then go in front of everybody and do it, and be like, this is me, bro, like, you know, you just do it. You put something on your car, something, something, and just be like, 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 damn, did you do that? And then, the lingo, the wordplay is really important. So yeah. you either got to be on it when you hear that new word, you got to be using it, or you got to be creating it. So exactly. I say that's just a stupid word like flammy. That's a word that came and went really fast. Flammy. That just that was like like goofy or something. I don't know. It's just flammy. I don't, I don't. It was a word. <laughs> when you hear it one day, you like you gotta you, you gotta use it enough before it gets old or before. Somebody tell you, oh, but they've they been saying flammy over there. You know, like you gotta you gotta come up with your words, man. So 40 mastered that. Yeah. The wordplay. It comes from like a lot of pimps and stuff. A lot of stuff you hear us saying we get from like the slick OGs in the streets, dropping them little, you know, them little rhymes, them little one-liners, little slick just punch lines on you. And then we interpret that shit to hip hop. No like, you know, and and um I just think that it's so okay. I'm gonna give you a, a one that everybody know. The Fashizi off the Heezy Fashizi. No so, doubt. No that's doubt. That's just something that was that was just something that was going around the bay. People was like, you know, Sheezy, my Neezy Fashizi. Like it was just it was coming from the pimps. And we got to the session that day, the day we made Rapper's Ball. That's me and 40 featuring uh we got KC on there from KC and Hey, that you got it all. You know, we just messing around in the booth, you know, like the intro. We just talking. We didn't we didn't plan this. And we just literally talking. And then the record comes out and it goes big. And that part of the song just compelled a lot of people to start doing it. So then a whole bunch of people started going for Sheezy. You grab Snoop Doggy Dog, he go. Well, I'm stooped off for shizzle. Then it got started going for shizzle. And then, you know, it's just one of those things that it takes on its own life form. And that that is just an example. Like it's just it's a lot of things like phrases, words. I mean, player hater, that's a that's a Bay Area phrase. Mm. And it was just like it was just like, I'm such a player. I'm so player, and you hate me so much for being this. Makes you a player hater. You a player. <laughs> Hater, I'm a player, you a hater, and it's just you know they. After a while, 
they, they drop the word player off of and it's like, oh, he's a hater. That's all. <laughs> right. You know? right. And if you said the Bay and Detroit is cousins, like I, I heard another historical fact that literally we are cousins. So somewhere down the line, you go figure it out, pick the year. General Motors, it could have been General Motors or it might have been Ford specific. And one of the companies, I think with General Motors, opened a plant in the Bay. Mm. And one of the first things they did when they opened the plant was they offered a bunch of Detroit, Michigan living people Got the option it. to go relocate. And a bunch of them did. So that's when you say, oh, I got a cousin in Oakland. Or people are like, man, I got cousins in Detroit. That's yeah. it's a, a larger part of it had to do with that one situation. Wow. And then, that's and then you got the similarities in mind frame of just, it, it's just, it's, the culture ain't much different. Not at all. Also, no doubt. And politically, so you guys started the Panthers. And so that same relationship happened in Detroit. We started yeah. being about our fits, about our froze, about our political views. And we was aligned like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Malcolm X nickname is what? Detroit Red. Exactly. No doubt about it. You know what I'm it. saying? So that so that that was love. That that alignment was, was since day one. And then all of a sudden, Too Short came with Born to Mac. Talk about Born to Mac, the album cover. That's just classic material for the history of hip hop. Yeah, so um I'm trying to find my way into the game. So I'm getting ready to um the first time they ever asked me, they got me in the studio, I said, What do you want to name your album? I said Name it uh don't stop rapping. Like, why you gonna name it don't stop rapping? Because I'm like, because once I start rapping, I don't stop. And <laughs> I'm gonna be doing this shit forever. I'm never gonna stop. So I was like, I need my first album to be named Don't Stop Rapping. So a couple years down the line, I started my own company, Dangerous Music. Mm -hmm. And I want to make a statement. Now I'm like, there's no longer any people helping with the creative, you know, I got a crew, I always got crew, people putting the input in, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss now. So we got to come up with a, um, what's, what's the jump off gonna be? And my homie Ted Bohannon, who was putting up the money at the time, he had that drop top Cadillac. Mm -hmm. I hadn't bought it from him yet. I bought it eventually, I had to buy it. <laughs> but he had that drop Caddy, so, I just came with the concept, man. Freaky Tales was gonna be on that album, and I needed to make a statement. I wanted to use that car and make a statement. Now, if you know about the Mac, the movie, the Mac, uh, Richard Pryor, uh, Max Julian, the Mac was filmed in Oakland. So in that movie, you have a lot of people from the city who was little kids in the movie. My uncle was in it. That's my daddy's car. Oh, that was, you know, I was there that night. I was I was standing on the sideline watching them shoot that scene. You know, it's attached, the movie's attached to the city, the no, map. So I put it all together and I was like, okay, you know, Goldie in the movie, he was a, a car thief, you know, junkie, got in trouble. And when he came out of prison, he was like, man, I don't want that life no more. I'm about to start pimping. And he became the Mac, the, you know, the, the, the Mac over all the other pimps. So I came up with the shit, you know, with shit. Fuck it. I was born a Mac. Because <laughs> people know a lot about the word pimp. But in the pimp culture, 
you got to earn the title Mac. You can mm. become a pimp, but you're not a Mac until you get like you got to. A Mac is like a master pimp, like a professional pimp. Mm. He's a Mac, and that's a, a, another pimp will give you a, a company go. He's oh, he's a Mac. So you can't really put the name Mac in your pimp name, Shorty Mac, or something until you earn that fucking status. You just Shorty till you become Shorty Mac. So <laughs> I was like born to Mac. That's a hell of a statement. That's like literally saying I was put on this earth like Petey Wheatstraw, Doc Dolomite. I, I was born to pimp. You know? So the look, we get the Cadillac, we take it up to the top of Oakland. If you go all the way up in the hills and look over, you see San Francisco, bridges, water. It's beautiful. The day we get up there, it's overcast. You can't see shit. We got the photographer. It's the photo shoot. It's cold as hell. We got the top down, but we're not giving up the mission. So it's overcast. We got, you know, we're thinking plan B on the fly. I got the little rope chain on, you know, ready for the picture. And the one homie, uh, Chris Hicks, he liked to tell this story as one of his claim to fame stories. I, I, I back him up because it's a true story. But, you know, he, after he tell that version, he put out a lot of other bullshit that ain't true. <laughs> but that part of the story is very true. Chris, it was a bunch of dudes at the photo shoot. Everybody had their little hustle on. Everybody had their little jewelry on. Chris was like, hold up, wait. Everybody take your jewelry off. Put everybody's jewelry on short. <laughs> grab maybe four, five, six chains. I don't know. Look at the album cover. I'm just full of gold. And he's like, look at the pity gold. Now, that, that's born to Mac right there. Do that. <laughs> that. That photo. That's dope. Really affected a lot of people's lives. Mm. They saw the dude who was singing. They listened to Freaky Tales. They listened to Dope Fiend B. They look at the cover. He's sitting in a Cadillac with his gold. They're like, oh my God. I need to be this. I need to be like this. Yeah. Pimp C came to me. He said that album cover, he's like, I knew what I wanted to do when I seen that album cover. Mm. I knew. And you know, I'm going to tell you something else. I signed the Jive Records in 1988. Yeah. And, and I signed the Jive Records because Jive Records had Boogie Down Productions. Mm -hmm. they, they signed, like, not too far from when I signed. They had um, Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Mm -hmm. But bigger than that, they had Kumo D. He was the fucking king of rap. Mm -hmm. They had Houdini. When, when LL and Run DMC was busting shit, you know who was always right there? Houdini. Always. You come to that show, and you be thinking, man, I don't know. I think I might have liked Houdini on that show tonight better. I like they do. on the elites. Them dudes will come out and steal the show. Grandmaster D. Houdini had hits. They had hits. I'm not not records. They had hits, man. Hits. One big love, girl, friends. Man. Yeah, they had big records, and Kumo D had hits. So I was like, man, I want to be on this Jive Records. Like I, I picked Jive, but then check this out. Guess how many people signed to Jive because I was on Jive? Mm. Like quite a few. Like you got Spice One, you got E40, right? You got, uh, you got Pimp C, UGK, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, wow. Maybe even Mystical. I don't know who was in. They was they were seeing what was going on over there. Right. They were like, I need to be over there. 
So right. I opened the gates for a lot of shit that the two short floodgates when I opened it, a lot of shit happened. That's a lot crazy. Of That's crazy. I never thought about it like that. And then, so like in doing this 30 years short, like when you see a young actress like Zendaya dancing to blow the whistle on Euphoria rep in Oakland, you know, yeah. it across generations. What do you think when you see that and, and you understand your impact? I understand who she is, man. She's a little town offspring, man. Her daddy's Oakland, you know what I'm saying? She's her her first cousin. Her first cousin is PO's son. Wow, shout PO, what up, though? Man, like it's that. Wow, I didn't know that. That's the OG. PO's son is Derek Coleman, little baby D. I used to have with him back in the day, baby D. Baby Derek D. Derek Coleman, Zendaya Coleman. They, they first cousins. <laughs> You feel me? So wow. It's, it's all, you know, uh, not a few separation degrees of separation. But, you know, look at um, look at the influence, man. Um, if you go look at Short Dogs in the House, the album I dropped in 1990, look up, look up the album cover and then go look at Snoop Doggy Dog, Ooh. Doggy Style. Yeah. And look at the influence. He wasn't. He wasn't a, a too short knockoff. He was just like, man, I grew up on this shit. It's influence. No doubt. You know, look at, go look at get in where you fit in. While with the mm -hmm. suit, with the pimp hat, and then go look at Outcast first album, Southern Player Listing. No they want doubt. the Cadillac music. They influence. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I like I didn't create these guys or Pimp C didn't try to be like me. Outcast didn't try to be like me. Snoop didn't try to be like me. But that too short was right there in front of him going. That's the direction. You feel me? No I doubt. You, and also, you went from the Bay to Atlanta. So you yeah. was right there. I get to Atlanta. I'm, I show up. I got big rims on my car. I'm Cali'd out. I'm there. It's this, you, you was just coming out. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking 93. No doubt. We, we showing up. We, 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 we leaving home, and we popping up places. I seen you all over the place. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I get to Atlanta, I got the big house. You, you go talk to young Jeezy. Young Jeezy gonna say, I was, he was actually like a little young dude, like not even in the game yet, a young dude. His OGs was ballers. They had money and shit. And he, he, he pulled up on me one day. He was like, man, you remember that house up the street from your house? The one that had all the cars and all the shit? I was like, yeah, I remember that house. He's like, yeah, I used to be one of them little kids in the yard playing. Like wow. he was, he was that close. Uh, Talk to T.I. He's like, man, you remember you used to go to the barbershop on Camden Road? The little badass that used to be out in front? He was like, I was one of them. We, you fast forward to now, a lot of people know Blow the Whistle, but they don't know the little path that I ran, the, the back roads I ran through New Orleans and and, and what I did in, in Tennessee and Mississippi and Georgia before Blow the Whistle. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and that's why I always make sure that you get celebrated because not only as an artist, but as an entrepreneur and usually somebody that can not only flex anywhere, but be able to reinvent yourself. Like right now, think about it. You got a single right now, big, sexy thing. Shout out to Lil Duvall. That's my guy. <laughs> you know, talk yeah, to me about that. the single. Congratulations. Yeah, um, I had this song, right? And it's kind of a, a lighthearted, fun kind of song. So everybody ain't willing to go that route and be funny and silly and whatever and, and have fun with it. 
And when the name Duval came up, I was like, that's the guy. That's mm-hmm. the guy for this song. And because it's the dead ass serious song, but then it's funny too. And they need a funny visual and all that shit. So if you ain't seen it, go check out the video, Big Sexy Thing. We, you know, we just try to be a little, little, little different, but still on point. Your no, career sir. paved the way for so very many, so many directions. I love and appreciate you, my brother. It's always a pleasure to break bread with you. But before I let you get out of here, we got a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's go. Name celebrities who deserve to be in the Bay Area Hall of Fame. For celebrities. Yes. Well, we got to throw Tom Brady in there, man. That's a good one. People sleep <laughs> on that. We got to throw Brady in there. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. We got to throw that man up there. No up doubt. In there. Um, Freshly retired. The go. Let me see. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to slide Gabrielle Union in there. Very nice. Give her her love. And she's also been on this show. Big shout to her. I'm going to throw her in there just because, you know, she she got a track record on a on successful thing she's been involved in. And definitely Zendaya. Zendaya. I didn't know that history. That is crazy. You never she's, know who you encounter. She's a baby, baby Bay Area all day. Wow. So here's a good one for you. Everybody yeah. know your favorite word is biatch. But mm-hmm. please name your second favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> My second favorite word. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know, um, my uh, my second favorite love is the hustle, man. It, like you know, no doubt about it. And any variation of that word, hustling, hustler, hustle, it it embodies so much of what makes an individual's life better. No doubt. And I get asked advice in in the form of like, you know, what would you tell the next up and coming guy what to do? And I'm always like. I don't really have a lot of advice for you, but the one thing I could tell you is probably like try to work harder than everybody else that's doing what you're doing. I love that. I love that. You back in Oakland. What's the first food spot you hitting up? Well, you know, uh, the quarantine effed a lot of stuff up with the uh, yeah. can't sit down in places, but I was always going to a Southern Cafe. That was always my joint, the Southern Cafe. Back in the day, it used to be Lady S's, but it's been Southern Cafe. You know what short go post up, you know what it is. And last but certainly not least, you can mm-hmm. you collaborated with our guy Lil Duvall on this track. Mm-hmm. And he's hilarious. Name another comedian you'd love to work with. I never heard Dave Chappelle do music, but he seemed he was very um he's very supportive of recording artists. He is he does a lot and he'll he'll make it so that you can make some money around things that he does. Okay. So too short. I appreciate you joining me, my brother. Looking All forward good. to breaking bread soon. I'm going right back to work right now. <laughs>
So I want to make sure I give a big congratulations to John Batiste, who won Album of the Year at the 2022 Grammys. Check out that episode. Also, past guest and celebrity stylist, Zarina Akers, styled the fabulous Jasmine Sullivan, who wound up winning two Grammy Awards while looking like a million bucks. Check out that episode where I talked to Zarina about styling artists for award shows just like that one. The reason I do this show is when you see headlines and noteworthy things that take place and connect that with the guests we've had on the show, you can listen back and gain insight on their process and how they use their talents to be successful. I've learned so much hosting this show and I hope you learn just as much by listening and reading a column. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.